Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to SFC Radio, the sounds of Brooklyn Heights. My name is Anthony Cowan, and welcome to the show, Should You Play This? The video game review show where I talk about if a game is worth your cash or belongs in the trash. You're listening to it here on SFC Radio, which you can find through the TuneIn app, SoundCloud, and the Radio FF app, the official app for college radio. Now, here on Should You Play It, I'm here to tell you whether a game is worth your money or not. Nowadays, games are very expensive, whether they're either 40 bucks, 50 bucks, 60 bucks, and now going on to 70 bucks, which is pretty insane. Video games are expensive nowadays, and what's important is trying to find the right game that's interesting to you. And I've noticed some cases that we've all bought a game that we thought we may like, but unfortunately it didn't turn out the way as we expected, or we get recommended a friend of this game, and we try it out, and we end up not liking it, and we felt like we wasted a lot of money. And that's never fun. Especially if you're trying to sell back the game at like a GameStop or something, you're only gonna get like a very low value back from that game. So. I'm here to help you figure out whether or not this game would interest you or not. For today's topic, I'm going to be talking about my favorite game of all time. And I played this game last summer, 2021. It happened in June. And it was a very popular game back then. And it's still talked about a lot now. And that game is Persona 5 Royal. Now, to give a little history on this, Persona 5 Royal is an enhanced port of the original Persona 5 that was released back in 2017, and that was released on the PlayStation 3 and the PlayStation 4. It was developed by Atlas, who are very known for making a lot of RPG games, and the Shin Megami Tensei series and Persona are their their biggest franchise, their, their big cash cows. And people have been waiting for Persona 5 for like a long, long time because it was going through a lot of delays back then. I didn't know anything about it. Like as a kid back then, I knew nothing about Persona. I've heard about Persona mostly through Persona 4, but I didn't know anything about Persona 5. And then... Persona 5 released and I remember at the time in 2017 everybody was playing it like literally every big influencer and streamer they were playing Persona 5 and all I've heard was just a bunch of praise about how amazing the game was and how it was the best RPG they've ever played and stuff like that me personally I've never been an RPG kind of guy and RPG is basically a a role-playing game I've I've never been a fan of RPGs because I didn't like uh the the grinding aspect of it like it would take too long to power up your party members. I didn't like how long it took and RPGs are very very long games. We're talking ranging from up to 80 to 100 plus hours and for me personally at the time I was like, "Yeah, that's too long. I don't want to 
sit through all those hours to finish a game. That was me back then, but now I don't really feel like that. That's just how RPGs are most of the time. So now it doesn't bother me, but back then it did. And I've played previous RPG games before I finally settled down to play Persona. I played the Pokemon games, and I actually don't really like the Pokemon games. I found Pokemon to be very, very boring. I played the Mario and Luigi RPG games, and while I thought those were good, I never bothered to finish a lot of them. And then the last one I played was like Sonic Chronicles, and that was one of the worst games I've ever played as an RPG. And that, and that swore me off for RPGs for a very, very long time. So, in 2021, Persona 5 actually got a spin-off sequel called Persona 5 Strikers, which I played, and that was my favorite game of, of that year. And then, like, a few months later, I decided, hmm, you know what? Maybe now it's time for me to play Persona 5 Royal. And I, I literally just, I, I missed out on the hype, you know? All I really would do was watch a lot of playthroughs of Persona 5 because the story interested me. So I pretty much knew a lot of the story even before I got to actually play the game myself. And then not only that, I think what really piqued my interest about Persona 5 was that the main character of the game, Joker, he made it into Super Smash Bros. Ultimate as a DLC character. And I got really excited for that. And, you know, I finally caved in last year this summer. Last year in the summer. And I was like, okay, I'm going to play Persona 5 Royal. I'm going to play through it all. I'm going to see how I feel about it. And as I mentioned earlier, it's now my favorite game of all time. I've beaten it three times now. Three times. And the game is like normally 120 plus hours yeah it's it's that long so i feel very very passionate about this game but who knows you you probably don't sound too interested in it but i'm going to i'm going to talk about like why i think persona 5 might be worth your money it's a, it's a 60 dollar game but it goes on sale pretty often but for a $60 game, I think Persona 5 Royal is definitely worth your money, and here's why. So, let's start with the story, which I feel is the most important part of an RPG. So when you start the game, your, your protagonist is seen infiltrating a casino with his teammates, and then you suddenly get caught by the police at the end of your uh, escape. So you get detained, you're put in jail, and you're getting beat up and drugged by all the police in the station. Then afterwards, you meet up with the, the prosecutor. Her name is Sai Nijima. And she begins to ask you questions about the events that led to you now getting arrested. So this is much more of a flashback story. Skipping to the actual beginning of the game, you play as Ranamamiya, a high school student who is now transferring to Tokyo, Japan, and he's been put on probation from for confronting a man who was harassing another woman, and then the man basically made the woman place a false accusation on Ren, so now he's on probation. 
Ren is now going to be living with his caretaker, Sojiro Sakura, who is a friend of his parents, and he's going to be living in a rundown cafe in the storage attic up, uh, up top. So that sucks for him. So when it's Ren's time to go to sleep, he finds himself dreaming, and now he's trapped in this weird world called the Velvet Room, where he's dressed as a prisoner and he's locked in a cell. And he's being guarded by these two warners named Caroline and Justine and their master Igor. And Igor basically tells Ren that this will be the start of his rehabilitation, whatever that means. So next day, Ren is now going to be starting his new high school life at Shujin Academy. And while there, he meets another classmate named Anne. And Anne gets a ride from a teacher named Kamashita. And Ren notices that Anne doesn't look too good being around Kawashita. And when Anne and Kawashita leave, another student named Ryuji complains about Kamashita and how he walks around the school like he's a big shot and he's the king of the castle. And there's been rumors going around that he's been uh, physically abusing his students. So Ryuji and Ren begin heading to school together, but... The school is not a school. It's suddenly a castle. And when they answer the castle, they get attacked by these monsters and locked into a jail cell. While locked there, they suddenly see a strange version of Kamashita who's dressed as a king. And he starts beating up on Ryujin and Ren with those monsters that capture them. And just about as Kamashita is ready to execute them... Ren suddenly wakens to his persona named Arsene, who is basically telling him to fight back and don't let this this cruel man do what he do. And his persona is basically another version of Ren hidden within himself. This is like his his power now. So Ren now gets this ability to use superpowers and his code name is now Joker and he's able to defeat the the monsters and escape with Ryuji but while there he meets a cat named Morgana who claims he's not a cat but if you actually looked at Morgana he's a cat but that's we won't get into that right now over the course of the next few days Ren and Ryuji are trying to figure out what they can do to try and stop Kamashita's abuse for against the, the the students. And, you know, they go and they try to talk to the other students about what's going on, but one of the students, his name, his name is Mishima, he tells Ren and Ryuji that there's no point because the entire school boards know, all the, the parents know what's going on about Kamashita's abuse, and it's true. But they don't do anything because Kamashita is a very big uh, gold medalist for volleyball. So they feel like they can't ruin the school's reputation. And they also don't want to go against this this big megastar that Kamashita is. Even though he's like the, the school coach of the school and whatnot. But you know, the abuse sucks. And they clearly want to stop it. So Ren and Ryuji... Meet up with Morgana again in the real world. And Morgana tells him that there is a way that they can stop Kamashita. So the world Ren and Ryuji ended up in, in that castle, 
was basically the distorted desire of Kamashita, basically what he sees himself in his heart. I know that's a that's a little strange, but Ren and Ryuji have this weird app on this phone that they can use to enter the metaverse, which is the real name of that palace. So the way it works is that you say the person's name of with the distorted desire being Kamashita in this case, and then you say the location, which is the school, and then you you also say what's the distorted desire and. It's a castle because Kamashita sees himself as the king of the school. So essentially, Morgana tells Ren and Ryuji that there is a way they can stop Kamashita, and that's to steal his treasure in the palace, which is essentially his most prized possession. And they must do this without killing his shadow. And that shadow was being the Kamashita in the metaverse that was wearing the crown and stuff and pretending he was a king because if they kill his shadow he would have a mental shutdown which would kill him in real life and so if they just were to steal his treasure which would be a crown in this case they would change his heart and that would make Kamashita confess all his sins and all of his crimes. Ren and Ryuji are a little hesitant at first but after seeing um, Anne's best friend Shiho uh, attempt to hurt herself because of Kamashita's abuse, Ren, Ryuji, and Anne decide to come together and agree that they must stop Kamashita. And they must do it within a time limit because Kamashita had threatened to expel them all. So now with the help of Morgana, Ren, Ryuji, and Anne come together to stop Kamashita and change his heart. And make him confess for his crimes. And that's essentially the gist of Persona 5's story. Because it then goes into this like villain of the week sort of deal. Because after you deal with a corrupt teacher. Then you'll start dealing with an artist who is plagiarizing his, his students work. And then you'll start fighting a mafia boss. And then it will turn into... It would take a weird turn because you, a mafia boss and a plagiarist artist, that's bad. But then next you go after a girl who is a shut-in and then you go to like a corrupt businessman. And yeah, it's basically following a villain of the week structure. And each time you, you find a new target, you're also finding a new party member who has been suffering from these uh, corrupt adults, basically. I'm basically holding back a lot of things because this game is is huge and I don't want to spoil anything. This is a story that I, I, it's better if you experience it yourself and why I think it would be uh, much better for you to understand if you were able to play the game. So now let's get to the most important part of any game. How does it play? There are two gameplay styles in Persona 5. There's the dungeons, which is the the palaces and the metaverse. And then there's the the social life part of the gameplay where you explore around Tokyo and do various tasks. But let's start with the dungeons first. You and your teammates, you basically run around uh, a big a big dungeon which is of course the palaces and you sneak around it to try and reach for the treasure you're going to be doing 
a lot of battling with the enemies and you're also going to be doing a lot of puzzles so when you're get when you get into a battle with an enemy you have these options you can attack close range you can attack long range with your gun you can block or you can use your persona to use magic skills everyone also comes with their own uh element that they're strong with so this game has elements that are fire ice electricity wind nuclear psychic bless attacks which is light attacks and curse attacks which are dark attacks there's also another one that's called almighty and almighty attacks basically have no weaknesses but the the other elements have weaknesses so fire is um very strong against ice and then you know it's it's vice versa and then electricity is weak against wind and every time you hit an enemy's weakness you get an extra turn in the battle and with that extra turn you could either use that extra turn called a one more to attack the to attack the enemies again or you can use this new ability called baton pass where you can pass your your turn over to one of your teammates and they also get stronger off of that and then you can basically use that stronger attack against another enemies and you can chain this multiple times so for example I'm using Ren and I hit someone with a curse attack because they're weak against it I could then give that to Ryuji through a baton pass and then Ryuji can attack another enemy with an electric attack because they're weak and then he could pass that off to Anne and then Anne can attack an enemy who's weak against fire and it'll keep going again and again and again and you can get a total of eight turns and it's it's a really strong ability in battle they encourage you a lot to really use this baton pass skill because it will help you out in battle. And not only that, it will make the battles a lot easier. So your main focus is you really want to focus on what the enemies are weak against. Hit their weaknesses. And then use your baton pass to take advantage of that to win the battle. But you also have to be careful, of course. Because you also have weaknesses. So you don't want to have the enemies hit your weaknesses. And then they get an extra turn to mess up your entire team again. And if all your characters are knocked down and they're dead, that's basically game over. And also, if Ren dies, even if the other teammates are alive, that's also a game over. So, you really, the main character you really want to protect is the main, is the protagonist. But you also don't want your other teammates to fall as well. So, you really have to think and be careful with your, with your choices on how you go about battling other enemies. Everyone comes with their own strength and weaknesses. For example, Ren, he can actually use multiple personas with multiple elements. So he doesn't he doesn't always have to have like a, a curse persona, which is what his main persona Arsene has. He could actually gain a persona within the dungeon and use that in his team. And he could switch the personas around and he could use different elements against different enemies. So that's what makes him versatile. 
Ryuji is basically your electric type. He's basically the strongest member physically, so a lot of his physical attacks are very strong. While Anne is your your fire-based persona user, and she's strong against magic. You also get um, another member soon. His name is Yusuke, and his he also deals with like physical damage, but with him, if you do baton passes, he would have skills that also get stronger when you use a baton pass. Morgana is your, your win user, and he's also your main healer of the team. And then you're also going to have another member named Futaba, who doesn't actually do any battling, but she'll give you buffs. Like, she'll make you stronger throughout the battle, depending on how it's going. And then you also have another party member named Makoto, who will actually tell you the weaknesses of all the enemies. So, it's basically, it's a lot of strategizing, it's a lot of math, you know. Math is not very fun, but in this case, it's it's very important. And I also think it makes the battles very engaging, especially when you're able to hit, like, a full baton pass, and you get the maximum eight turns you can get, or even more, actually. It, it feels very exhilarating. It's great, and you feel very smart. I know I do every time I do a correct baton pass. Now, before you actually do the dungeon crawling, you actually have to do stuff in real life. Well, not in real life, but in the game, in the, the real world in the game. You know what I mean. So, basically, now we have the, the social life aspect of the game, which is the main draw for a lot of people in the Persona franchise. And basically, not only are you going to be doing a lot of preparing by buying a lot of items that might help you in the dungeon, but you're also going to be interacting with your, your friends and other companions that you'll meet throughout your journey. Persona 5 has a a system called the Confidant system. And this has been something that's been long running in the modern Persona games since Persona 3. In Persona 3 and 4, they call it social links, but in Persona 5 it's called they're called confidants. Basically, these conf in these confidants, you basically speak with any companions that you meet throughout the story. They all have their own individual backstories and then you interact with them. The main goal is to hit the correct dialogue options so that you level them up and which will make it easier for you to talk to them the next time you see them to get them up to the next rank. And every time you rank them up, you actually get a, a specific skill. So, for example, uh, there's this doctor character. Her name is Takemi. And every time you speak to her you could buy healing items from her shop for, like, cheaper prices. So that would compel you to want to keep her confidant up even more. And then you'll have, like, a a character like... Like Anne, for example. One of, your, one of your party members, basically. And if you keep talking to her, she'll actually get better in her moveset. So, for example, like, say you get hit with an, an, a status ailment, which is basically, say... You're poisoned or something. She can actually slap you out of that poison during the battle, which is, which will be very helpful. So that will also compel you to want to speak to your party members because you also want your party members to be stronger during the battle. And the main, like, that's really the main draw of, of the, the social life aspect because not only do you want to learn more about these 
these characters, but you also want to get the skills that they come with. Now, some are better than others because there's this one character, her name is Oya, and all she does is basically she gets your security level down. I got because I forgot to mention, like, there's actually like a security level in in uh, the dungeon area because your group is called the Phantom Thieves and as thieves you're supposed to sneak around the dungeon and if you keep getting caught multiple times then eventually you'll have to retreat and that's not good you're also under a a specific time limit you have a certain number of days to take your target's treasure until you get a game over so for Kamoshida, it was like 15, you had like 15 days to steal his treasure. And so each activity, each activity that you do would cost you like time. So you have stuff you can do during the day and some stuff that you could do during the night. And then some events are, some events are exclusive at night and some events are exclusive during the day, which also includes characters that you could only see during the night and some characters during the day so for example say you want to meet up with your teacher you have to wait till nighttime so in the daytime you'll probably choose to hang out with one of your party members because a lot of them are available during the daytime so you meet up with one of your party members during the day rank up their confidant and then during the nighttime you'll meet up with uh, another character who's only available during the nighttime, like your teacher, as I mentioned before. So you really want to be, you really want to be mindful of what goal you have in mind, like what characters you want to focus on to level up, so you could get their certain skills to help you during the dungeon. And honestly, how I played Persona Five, I actually went through the the dungeons on one day alone and you can definitely do that yeah you can definitely do that if you're if you're very mindful of your your resources that you have and if you're if you're not if you're not like very resourceful with your items and stuff you can always go back if you have enough time but just know that that's gonna cost you like a day or two so of course you really want to be careful so with that being said i would like to move on to a segment that i would like to call what were they thinking yes what were they thinking and in this segment we're going to be talking about the most dumbest stupidest most broken thing in a video game and persona 5 definitely have a lot of broken things in it the problem with persona 5 that a lot of players have had is that the game is a little too easy and this is something i can agree with too persona 5 is a pretty easy game and it's very it can be very and for its benefit it's actually like very accessible to a lot of people However, like, there are points where the game could just get very trivial because you're just so overpowered. And that's where the confidant skills come in. Now, I mentioned that there are some characters that are better than others with their confidant skills. And 
every time you rank up your confidant with another character, then you and your entire party get stronger. Let's talk about one of those party members' skills. Ryuji, the first one of the first characters you meet in the game. So Ryuji has a skill and it's called insta kill and it's exactly how it sounds. You can instantly kill an enemy and how it works is if you're like at a much higher level compared to an enemy instead of just getting into a regular battle with them you can just run through them and then you can just kill them instantly. Sounds broken? That's because it is because for insta kill you can you gain the experience the money and also an item along with the persona that you killed and that on its own is pretty insane and at some points you could be so over leveled when you go to like the next dungeon that the story has set up and for most of the dungeon you're just insta killing all of the enemies there and you'll rarely have to do a regular battle unless it's with the actual boss of the of the palace so it makes dun it makes the dungeons pretty trivial and sometimes it could actually end up being a little boring you know because you actually want to get into more fights you want to engage but like when you have like this instant kill skill because like you're much over over leveled than these enemies that it it's kind of just like oh man well this isn't really fun but that at the same time while it does like it does knock down the issue of me having to grind out characters through regular battles because they could take a very long time especially in, especially in a game like pokemon like they could take a very long time and it's a time waster and that's what they did to try to minimize the the grinding and while i appreciate it it kind of end up being a problem and now the game is like way too easy because i'm too strong and what's funny is that you can get this skill out of ryuji very very quickly i didn't bring this up before but like you also have like social stats you have proficiency you have guts you have charm kindness and then intelligence so some characters you can only start their confidant rank or advance it later if you have like a certain high social stats so say like you can't finish your your confidant with your hmm you can't finish your confidant with your doctor because you don't have enough kindness to help her you're not at you're not at like level four kindness you're at like level three three kindness right now and, and you need to level up your kindness level so you got to do a lot of uh social events during the social life aspect of the game to get that rank up ryuji doesn't require anything like that no 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 ryuji doesn't require like any high social status whatever so considering not only is ryuji one of the first characters you meet so you'll start his confidant pretty quickly but he'll probably be the first confidant you finish because he doesn't require a social stat a social stat that locks you until you reach that certain social stat. So you can get that insta kill skill very quickly. What's even crazier is that it's not even at the highest level. 
the confidant skills only rank up to level 10. You get that insta kill skill at level 7. So you are most likely to probably get that insta kill skill by I want to say the second or third palace. I think for me I got it at the third palace and it got pretty ridiculous. I sometimes I was able to insta kill a lot of enemies just to get the experience very quickly and then sometimes I wouldn't but like it was insane just how crazy you get that skill so fast and it's it's ridiculous and then Persona 5 just becomes a, a super easy game to breeze through and essentially what were they thinking what, what what were they thinking i mean while i don't mind it because hey my character is like super strong but if you wanted to make this game harder you probably shouldn't have a skill like that that is so overpowered so that is that segment of what were they thinking you'll have more segments like that here on should you play this but you can hear on FFC Radio, the sounds of Brooklyn Heights. Oh man, you know I I, I can't help myself sometimes because like th this is a game that I'm like I'm very passionate about, and I think it also has to do with like the main theme about Persona Five. Um, each modern Persona game has had like a a running theme from their from their game like in persona 3 it was a game about death and accepting death and in persona 4 it was about reaching for the truth uh finding out the truth and in persona 5 it's it's about um freedom and breaking free from slavery and corruption and stuff like that whether it's do like big corporations or like the government and politics and and stuff like that i think that's really something i can relate to while i'm i'm not there in the society of japan so i can't really speak on what's going on over there but like um having that that sense of freedom and breaking free from corruption that's something i can still like relate to in, in a sense and not only that, funnily enough, each of the, the palace rulers, they also uh, relate to the, the seven deadly sins. And you, you'll definitely see it throughout the game when you play it. So lust, vanity, gluttony, wrath, greed, jealousy, pride, sloth, stuff like that. Like you'll, you'll see all, when you see all of the, the corrupted palace users, like you'll see how each deadly sins represents them, and that's what uh, Persona Five, Persona Five, I think does well with its story. I think it tells a story about breaking free, uh, pretty decently. However, it comes with its own like issues. For some characters, uh, I can't really. I can't really relate to on a personal level. That's some characters, not all of them. Like, I obviously won't know what it's what it's like to be like a politician speaking out for like the truth or like being a doctor that got 
kicked out because I apparently like failed the patient or whatever or because someone lied about it. I I of course I'm not going to relate to that because I've I've never I've never been in those shoes, but I think I can still feel some empathy towards what happened to these characters and it, it's what they go through is pretty sad. Like some stories in this game like like really hit me hard and then you'll have some characters that are just not very good in terms of like storytelling or they 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 fall flat like by a lot another issue i i kind of have with his story in persona 5 and it's with its humor or rather the timing of its humor in persona 5 well i i think the game like when it's trying to be funny it's 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 it, it gets a chuckle out of me but like sometimes when it tries to be funny in like super serious situations it kind of ends up really falling flat on its face and that happens pretty often pretty often so just to just to give like an ex- just to give like an example so uh at some point in the story Ryuji Ryuji I'm sorry Ryuji actually saves the rest of the fans with these from like a, a giant explosion and you know everyone thinks he's dead everyone just thinks he's dead and they all start crying but Ryuji turns out to be alive which is uh, thank goodness but instead of like thanking Ryuji being happy that he's okay the girls just beat him up because they worried him. They he worried them so much, and it's one of the most frustrating scenes in in the entire game. And it's actually a lot of people's least favorite part of Persona Five. Like if you've actually if you actually get to that point in the game and you see it them if you see it yourself, it it's very obnoxious and ignore and annoying and it'll it'll kind of make you feel angry so a lot of the times like it's humor it can really fall flat and it kind of hinders the it can kind of hinder the big story that it's not that is trying to convey to the audience but overall i think like persona 5 has a really like gripping story and i know a lot of the issue a lot of the issues people some people also have like they're tired of like the high school setting sometimes they want to have like a setting for like college students or have something more focused on adults you know but like the main appeal just keeps coming from this high school setting and i mean that's kind of also like an anime thing too like a lot of animes are like always using the high school setting and persona 5 is very anime another issue that i kind of need to address and i think this is super important is like the persona 5 fan base they are a strange bunch i'll i'll say that in the the nicest way possible you know they could get a little too antsy about how much they they really love this game and they would like they will always like make like persona 5 references in like the worst times possible especially during like world events like the there is like 
of a huge like lack of communication or awareness from a lot of Persona 5 fans. And a lot of these are like kids, you know? And it 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 can get pretty annoying, especially like when they get like super defensive or they want to argue something about the game when they actually haven't played the game, you know? So that's very annoying. And sometimes that can really put a damper on people on how they feel about Persona. Me personally, not really. I'm just I'm just enjoying the game for how I like it, you know. I'm going to ignore that that part of the the fan base. It it, it exists obviously, but I'm going to ignore that part so that it doesn't ruin how I feel about Persona 5 because how I feel about Persona 5, I think it's a very strong and compelling game story-wise and I also think the gameplay itself is like very very fun I love all the characters the game is absolutely beautiful it's absolutely beautiful on the, the PlayStation 4 you could only play this on the PlayStation 4 crazily enough which is very strange Atlas is, is used to making a lot of weird decisions like that but you could only get it on the PlayStation 4 and I think it still looks very pretty. And it actually runs really well at 60 frames per second. And, oof, you know, I haven't really mentioned the music. But the the music is, like, so good in this game. It's basically acid jazz. And it has some rock in it, too. And it's it's really good. Like, even if you don't play Persona 5, I actually recommend that you go out of your way to listen to the soundtrack because the soundtrack is super good. So, is Persona 5 worth your money? I definitely say so. As a $60 game, I think it's definitely worth it. It has so much content. It is 120 plus hours on average, so... You'll have another, a, a lot of bang for your buck if you purchase Persona 5. However, however, I will say that this game goes on sale a lot. And it goes on sale with the downloadable content for like $25. So, I would recommend that you wait till this game is on sale. Just so you could get more stuff when it's on sale. But if you just want to buy Persona 5 Royal anyway for its full price, full price, I think it's worth it anyways because like Persona 5 Royal is a really great game. And I just have to specify again that you have to get Persona 5 Royal because Persona 5 Royal is the definitive version of Persona 5. Persona 5 Vanilla, no one really talks about it anymore like if anyone tells you to play persona 5 they'll always tell you to play persona 5 royal since it's an enhanced port and comes with more content and stuff like that but yeah that's the end of the of the show persona 5 royal is definitely worth your cash so thank you all for listening to should you play this and you can listen to the podcast again if you want to on sfc radio and you can search search on it through the, the TuneIn app, SoundCloud, and the Radio FX app, which is the official app for college radio. So thank you for listening. My name is Anthony Cowing, and thank you for listening to SFC Radio, the sounds of Brooklyn Heights.